welcome to The Well Podcast. We hope that this message will help you grow in your faith and give you practical ways to strengthen your relationships. To find out more, visit thewell.ca. Hey there, my name is Dave Lombardo, and uh, I have the joy of serving on staff here at The Well, joined with our lead pastor, Vijay Krishnan, and uh, we're just wanting to extend a welcome to you. If you're with us for the first time or the hundredth time, whatever it is, we're glad that we can be together today. Um, so this uh, trellis uh, is actually from my backyard, and uh, it's, it's cut down from a bigger piece of, of trellis than it actually was. And so we were laughing this week because, um, remember back in April, May, uh, when everybody was uh, buying all the toilet paper, when everybody was uh, making their own bread, people were also starting to uh, plant their own vegetables, these elevated garden boxes. I guess we didn't know how this whole thing was going to turn out. Right? We thought maybe we're all going to have to start like go off the grid and start living off the land and providing for ourselves. And I'd be dead in five months. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, if I had to hunt for my own food, like I don't even know where tacos live. So I would like, how would we make it as a family? I don't know. Anyways, um, so I, I was one of the ones that built this garden box, you know, and uh, we planted just a few plants, cucumbers, tomatoes, beans, and, um, you know, started watering it. And I don't know why, but nothing really happened. And I know that gardens take some time. I guess eventually we got some green shooting up, but there was no vegetables. Like honestly, over the course of the whole summer, we harvested like maybe 15 green beans and I wouldn't even bring them to cook them. I just ate them right off the plant. I don't even know if that's a good thing. Or maybe you just had one killer salad. One killer salad. It wasn't even enough for a killer salad. Uh, we were dying of laughter last week because our son Sam went out and he said, there's a tomato. <laughs> we're like, how can that even be? And there was one small cherry tomato. Anyways, this is, um, I mean, it's funny because of how pathetic and uh, our garden was and how non-handy I am. It was also frustrating though, because I grew up uh, in a home where my nonna, like my grandmother and my dad, had like an unreal vegetable garden. And so early in the spring, they'd be out there tilling the garden. Usually my nonna was telling my dad what to do. They'd till it off all the soil. They would plot out where they were going to plant everything. You know, they'd start putting the wooden stakes or cut up hockey sticks into the garden where the tomatoes were going to be. And, uh, you know, they would then water and they do all that kind of thing after they planted. And, and, you know, before, not before long, they had like a beautifully lush jungle of like a vegetable garden back there. And we would spend the better half of the summer eating tomatoes and zucchini and, and beans and all this good stuff, uh, peppers that came from this garden. Right. And so I'm like, well, what did they do that? I, like, what's the secret? Like, how come they were able to manage this beautiful, huge thing that actually, you know, provided food for our family? I can't even manage, like, a couple of little plants. Like, what's the secret? The truth is, there is no secret. What it is, is hard work, right? You, you can't, I know this sounds obvious, but you can't just, like, wish a garden into existence. You actually have to be willing to, to do the hard work. And, and one thing I noticed is that, or one thing I've noticed, you know, as I thought about this this past week is, most of that work is hidden work. Like it's early in the morning, it's throughout the day, it's in the evening. It's the small stuff that, that isn't as obvious, like, you know, making sure uh, you, you take off any plants that aren't really making it, adjusting the little ties of twine uh, as the plant grows, uh, making sure things are spread out uh, uh, enough. Uh, my dad will put a little fence around certain, uh, I think it's around the zucchini, uh, so that, you know, squirrels don't get any of his zucchini flowers, um, things like this. A lot of that was was hidden work that wasn't seen. And so, you know, as frustrated as I could be, why isn't my garden doing it? Too, is I wasn't really willing to put in the hard work like they were. Uh, if you were with us last week, um, you know, that we've started this new series called Reconnect. And we're, we're going to be talking uh, this week and the next couple of weeks still about ways that we can be connected to God, 
reconnecting with ourselves and reconnecting with others. And we started using this analogy of a trellis, of a garden, of like plant life, of growth, of greenery. Uh, and as much as Vijay and I would like to say this was our own clever creation, but it, was. it, it, it wasn't. Actually, when we look at scripture, scripture uh, uses this idea of growth and gardens and vines uh, and, and all of the analogy of like pruning vines and all this to promote growth um, regularly. So we're just picking up from where that left off. Uh, we want to be people uh, that uh, build our lives around God, around the love of God, that are structured around him so that we might be able to see uh, growth in our own lives. And this idea that we're talking about this month is is going to be this something called the rule of life. And so if you were with us last week, you'll know that the rule of life is a way of breaking down our own lives into four different categories. The area of rest, the area of prayer, which we'll be talking about today, um, relationships, and work. And so it's a trellis. It's a trellis. This is the very structure that we want to build our lives around that so that we might be able to promote growth, right? Because if we're honest, I think all of us want to experience growth. We all want to be changed. We all want to be a little bit better, a little bit wiser, a little bit more mature uh, than we are currently. And and we can be discouraged because we sometimes we don't see it and we want it, but we can't see it. Sometimes we don't see it because we don't even know where to start in terms of bringing it about. And other times we're not even sure, like, what, what does growth even look like? And how do we uh, cultivate growth in our own lives? When you ask that question, I think what's important, and it's been important for me in my own life and certainly in the series, to come back to the goal, which is why we call it reconnect. It is about relationships right. with God, with ourselves, with just how do we grow in those relationships and in, in love in those relationships. Um, so I have a question for you, just as we kind of begin, just to get your mind going a little bit. Um, wake you up off the couch there. I see you. Um, what, if you think about one of the best, um, or most fulfilling relationships in your life, could be a best friend, could be, um, a family member, could be a spouse, what makes that relationship good? So I want to give you just two minutes. Uh, if you're on your own, you can be reflecting about that. Even if you're with a group, you could be silent, reflect, or you could talk together. What makes that great relationship in your life good? What makes it work? Thank you. 
that gave you a little bit of a chance to begin to think about this and and really where we want to begin today this kind of second bucket is the bucket of prayer and i have to just say even as i say that that brings up images maybe of like kind of this or um one very kind of small or narrow aspect and, and we want to say no that's it's a word actually that needs to be rescued liberated yeah. freed sure. expanded which is kind of what we want to do this morning um but to uh, related to prayer as how we relate to God, right? If prayer is conversation with God or intimacy with God, relationship with God, okay, what are all the ways that allow us to grow that kind of relationship with God? Now, I know even as I say relationship with God, there, there's a few different reactions. Some of us would say, well, I didn't grow up in any kind of religious background. My parents weren't, aren't. Uh, I don't have a context for this. I'm just exploring faith. The idea of relationship with God can seem like strange. Like, how do you have a relationship with the force? Uh, you, know, you just use it or the all-seeing eye, you know, Lord of the Rings fan. Um, how do you have a relationship with that? That idea of God, you've never put those two words together. Um, some of you maybe, or some of us from like more, uh, you know, like Orthodox, Catholic, or highly religious backgrounds. And for you, the way you related to the God or the higher being or the gods or whatever had to do with, well, um, it was going to be and needed to be in a holy place, a temple, a synagogue, a church or whatever. There needed to be a holy person present, a priest, a rabbi, a pastor, whatever, to mediate and make sure it was all, you know, blessed. Um, there had to be uh, holy words, certain things that you used, and you had better been on holy behavior, at least for the 24 hours preceding. Otherwise, none of it was going to work. And so some of us, that's our context. We think about relationship with God. Others, maybe from a Protestant or even evangelical background, say, oh, relate to God. Yeah, read your Bible and pray. And, and even there was a song growing up, read your Bible, pray every day, and you'll grow, grow, grow. And yet, you've tried, and it feels like it's in one ear and out the other. You reread the same paragraph six times, and then you fold it up, and you're like, I don't understand this. Um, or prayer is kind of feels like a one way. I'm just going to throw out some words. Hope you heard. Help me. Bless me. <laughs> That's about it. Um, so I think it was just safe to say we're all coming from different places in this. And yet there's a common struggle on two levels. And, and I think it's these two aspects of growth in which we find struggle. How do we receive the love of God? Right. Because this is about receiving and giving the love of God. They pointed that out to us last week. There's a struggle to receive it. How do I actually realize that God is love and that to be in relationship with him is to experience his love? And then secondly, importantly, to grow in learning to express that love. Like how does that actually change the way I relate to other people? How do I love others? So we struggle to receive and to give the love of God. Um, and, and yet it's just like, it's, it's so important to realize that this is relationship. And I think coming back to your garden analogy, one thing we need to say is you cannot command growth. You have to cultivate it. You cannot command growth. You have to cultivate it. Uh, A.W. Tozer, an author, a pastor, died a number of years ago, said that, you know, we forget that God is a person and therefore 
he is he can be cultivated just like anyone can. In other words, any relationship that's good needs to be cultivated in order to grow. And the question is, well, how do we do that, right? With God and, and then with others. Um, Dallas Willard, another author and a, a teacher who passed away more recently, um, said, you know, the life of Jesus is this beautiful example for us, but it is fraught with peril even as we look at life. You know, because Jesus, he came to not only show us who God is, but as we've said before, um, been a part of this church, you know, he came to also show us what it means to be human, uh, which is amazing. So we look at his life and his life is meant to lead us into a way of living. The problem is we look at some aspects of his life, let's say call it the rock star stuff, where the kind of compassion he had, the way he responded to his enemies, the way he suffered for other people, the way he healed other people, the power that he had seemingly in the life that he had. And we go, oh, yeah, okay, how do I be like that? I'm just going to try to be like that uh, when I'm tempted, when I'm frustrated, when I'm dealing with my enemies, when I'm needing power. I'm just going to try to be like that. And he said, the problem is we just look at his life and think somehow if I could just be like that, it would work. But in the moment when I'm tempted, I give it. When I'm faced with someone who's harsh and critical of me, I can be harsh and critical in return. When I'm faced with danger or death or uncertain conditions, I fall prey to fear, worry, anxiety, despair, just like everyone else. Why can't I just be like Jesus? Well, Willard points out that there is a secret. There's something we are missing that is found in the life of Jesus, but that we almost never pay attention to. And I want you to listen to this passage of scripture because in it, has both that kind of rock star life and yet a secret that is the beginning point that we want to kind of riff on this this day in terms of what does it mean? How can we actually unlock that to see growth in our life? So have a listen. At sunset, the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Moreover, demons came out of many people shouting, you are the son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew he was the Messiah. At daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. The people were looking for him, and when they came to where he was, they tried to keep him from leaving them. I wonder if you caught that. On the one hand, this is like a classic, typical passage of the life of Jesus that we look at and go, oh man, like so much compassion for people, so much power to be able to help people. And really kind of the output of his life that he's famous for. Or in a way that we go, oh yeah, I want to just be like that. And yet, in the middle of this sort of incredible scene, it says at daybreak, Jesus went out to a solitary place. And he just left to a solitary place and they couldn't find him. They were like, where are you? You know, you need to stay. And it calls out this, in fact, it wasn't just in this verse. If you continue reading in chapter 5. It says this, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. He often withdrew. Now, they didn't write about it because nobody was there because he was by himself. They just knew as they wrote about his life years later. Yeah, he was always doing this, wasn't he? It seemed like right in the middle of stuff, suddenly he was gone, withdrawing to lonely places. And this is actually highlights for us the hidden life. Dave, you talked about like how the, the work of a garden or something grow involves a lot of work and it's hidden work. It's the unseen stuff. This is actually what people like Dallas Willard and others and us, as we're talking about this now, 
want to bring our attention to is saying there is a whole life of Jesus that we are meant to emulate, to just to be like him, not so much in the output, but realizing that was coming out of the hidden work of a hidden life of a whole bunch of practices that Jesus himself and then many of Jesus' followers for many years followed him. And, and these are really the practices that lead to growth. Right. Yeah. We've used language around the well before of personal practices, the things that we're, we're doing to, to, again, foster, to cultivate the spiritual growth. And so today uh, we, we're going to be talking about in the rule of life and the trellis, the bucket, the category of prayer. Now, for some of us, we, we make a quick assumption. We say, OK, prayer is finding out who is sick, finding out who has a need. Uh, what areas of my life do I need uh, wisdom in? Let's let's go and talk to God and tell him those things. Tell him that we trust him and ask him to to work. And and that is actually um, that that's kind of missing it. Sure, that's a component of what prayer is, but it's not the entire thing. Particularly as it pertains to the rule of life, this bucket, this category, is meant to include all of the different ways in which we intentionally practice drawing near to God. When we talk about uh, this idea of being reconnected to God as being um, in the love of God, yeah. uh, these are the types of things that we do that we keep as a regular part of our routine to uh, to practice that very thing, to actually cultivate that relationship with him. He's not out there distant. He's a, he's a loving, personal God who wants a relationship with us, who we have a relationship with. And just like any relationship, we need to spend time uh, making it uh making it healthy, making it flourish, right? And so uh, there are a number of things that we can do that contribute to this. And, and the type of practices that we're going to be talking today are solitude, scripture, prayer of examine, and community. Now, if those sound like new words, don't worry, we're going to spend the next little while unpacking them. But really, how we want to think about these four ideas or these four practices uh, is as if they're garden tools, right? So again, like, I mean, so I've heard when you're keeping a real garden, I mean, I'm not, I'm no authority on this, but when you're keeping a real garden, you need a particular set of tools. Uh, some are to churn up the soil, some are to do some pruning, uh, some are for watering. I'm sure there's other tools I'm not even aware of that you need, um, but you do need different tools. You can't just use one tool for everything. You can't use a shovel, uh, you know, to try and churn up the ground, to try and prune your plants uh, and to try and scoop water. Like that's, those are the wrong tools. Uh, for the job. And so same thing goes for when we're talking about using uh, tools in our own life to cultivate this relationship with God. We, we need to know what are the tools and how do we how do we use them? And so solitude, scripture, prayer, examine, community, these are just four out of a number of different personal practices. Perhaps you've even heard the phrase uh, spiritual disciplines. Um, it's not discipline. It's, it's more of like, how do I put these things into practice or in place in my own life? We're saying, no, these are tools that help cultivate that relationship, that closeness to God. And what we want to do for the next little bit is give some practical uh, insight and direction, um, some you know stuff from our own experiences in life. Uh, ways that you can really just, you know, get, you know, get to work with these tools. Here's what they are and here's how they work. And we're going to start by talking about solitude. Solitude. So this is a wonderful thing to yeah. ask the extrovert to talk Two about. extroverts in the room. Yeah, let's talk about being alone. Solitude is something that I'll be honest, is, some, is, is, is has been a learning experience for me. It's not something that I think, you know, I was told many things growing up, um, you know, in a, in a Christian context in a church or whatever, that would be good to, to do, like like Jesus. Solitude was never mentioned. Um, and yet it's interesting when it says in the scripture passage that Jesus often withdrew to 
to lonely places. And, and I'm going to talk about silence and solitude and sort of going together because implicit in solitude is silence because you're away from the noise. Interestingly, even in the life of Jesus, one of the most famous passages, if you've heard it before or not, it doesn't matter. Uh, he was in the desert for 40 days by himself, led there by the Spirit of God, um, by himself for 40 days in solitude. Two things. Before he had done anything rock star like, before any of that happened, he was on his own for 40 days. And before he was going to be tempted by the devil to sort of abandon his mission and not trust God. And so he wasn't led there. It wasn't 40 days of temptation. It was 40 days of solitude in order to be prepared for what was Solitude journey for me uh, was started when I was reading a book um, by Peter Scazzaro uh, called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. But that book I showed you last week, if you hadn't seen it, it's a good resource called Day by Day. It, it's like every day sort of begins these devotions with two minutes of silence. And I found two minutes like almost intolerable, like two minutes of silence felt like an eternity. And one of the things I noticed, first of all, which actually helps us understand why do we need to do solitude and silence together was when I was by myself and silent and the noises around me were you know gone i realized how noisy it was in my own head and maybe you've had this experience before as you've tried to spend time there maybe it's why you don't like being on your own especially as an extrovert like me like oh i need to be around people oh or i would always if i've even in the car when i'm quote on my own i'm not on my own because i've got either music playing i've got a podcast playing i've got sports radio playing recently i've been listening to the news more so there's just more words more noise and actually even though i'm technically by myself i'm not i'm surrounded and immersed in sounds and and noise and ideas and people talking at me talking to me whatever and so solitude is meant to get us away from the noise to begin to become more aware of what's going on in here and what's going on in here, right? And so that it has that purpose. And that's why it's so important because we're often unaware, especially if you are more wired as an extrovert, you're constantly around people. We are unaware. I was unaware of how noisy things were. And in fact, what the repeated patterns were, what the what were the things that were constantly coming up in my mind um, and in my heart that were actually giving me clues to where I was really at and operating out of, but having no idea because I hadn't stopped learning. The other thing was one of the things I think I, I did a dose of hope about this earlier on in COVID was one of the reasons we practice solitude and silence is to prepare for our own death, yeah. <laughs> which I remember when I was reading that in a book going, yeah, I'm not doing that. Nope, not right. <laughs> and the author I was reading this book made such a profound point. He said, one of the reasons we are afraid to die is because we are afraid to be alone because we have not been alone. We're not used to being alone. And the idea of passing away from everything that is known into a silence where we are on our own terrifies us, as it should. And so his point was, when we practice solitude, the irony is when we are alone, we finally become aware whenever God is always with us. And that even on death's doorstep, when we are going to be, in a sense, going to a place that nobody in this world can go with us too. It is the place we are most acutely aware that the one we need the most has never left us. How do you get to that point at the time of your death, except by taking time in the rest of life to regularly practice the fact that he is always with us. And so even in this season that has made, maybe been more isolating for many of us, we know actually, no, I'm not alone. And so we practice solitude. 
This came home to me so important in terms of why I need to do this. I was driving home from work and I, I stopped at the corner of Jane and Rutherford. And on that corner, Southeast Corner, is a plot of land that a few years ago was promised to us, our church, by a developer to build. It came out of nowhere. We didn't know who this person was. A phone call we got one day. One thing led to another. It was maybe one of the most exciting things that happened in our church's history and, and a few years ago. And it was going to be for a price we could definitely afford. And so every time I passed that corner on my way home from work, I'd pray. People who passed it in our church would text me. We had prayer walks on that. And then the line went dead. Talk about silence. Yeah. I heard nothing for a, a few years. And as far as I know, it's dead. And in fact, the last time I drove past there, I see a sales office now and paid and the thing is moving on. And I sat there in silence. Normally I'd have sports radio on, I'd have a podcast on, I'd have music on, I'd have something on. And I had nothing on because I've been trying to turn off my radio and just practice solitude in the car. And as I'm sitting there at that corner, this like anger and sadness comes up in me. And I start having this like cry rant prayer because I've been trying to do this more, I was more aware of the emotions coming I mean, up in me, but I was also aware that God was not alone. God was with me. So it just launched me into prayer. I wasn't planning on praying. I'm mad at him. I'm saying, why did you do this? How come you haven't come through? I wasn't looking for this. It feels like our church got jerked this way and jerked that way. And like, hey, you've ever had a feeling like that or whatever. And I was, I was angry with God and crying out to him. And yet, I don't know, I felt so close to him in that moment. It's not a finished conversation by any stretch, but it was one of those things where, the cumulative effect of solitude and silence in my life, of being able to be more comfortable with two minutes to five minutes to 25 minutes to taking time to say, I'm not going to listen to anything on the drive. At first, it wasn't like a holy moment for me. I was just like noisy in my head. And then as I became become more aware of my emotions, more aware of my thoughts and more aware of God, suddenly it turned into a prayer space for me. And so that's just an example of how solitude has become something I'm trying to just practice more as a means of actually experiencing deep, meaningful, real not down, drag it out relationship with God. Right. And so where, where, I mean, okay, maybe not just for the extroverts, but for all of us, like, where do we start? Yeah. Start with two minutes. Two minutes. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come go to the blog this week because we're going to put stuff in there for you. Come to the seminar at the end of the month. Yeah. This is, we want it to be practical like this. Talk it out. What about this? What about that? Here's some ideas. But I would say start with two minutes. It just, and realize, expect it's going to be noisy. It's going to be hard. It's not the point. You're not you're not going to see anything. It's like watering, putting the dirt. I did it. Where's God? It's not going to come yet. Right. It's a practice that over time leads us to the place we want. Yeah. And I think that that's an important thing to just say right here is that as we talk about even the rest of them, starting somewhere yeah. is better than not starting at all. You know, one thing that I, it, it blows me away every time, but when I meet someone who is uh, more ahead of me in, in faith, right? Whether that by, uh, you know, somebody who's uh, uh, older, <laughs> So for some reason, your father's coming to mind, you know, uh, and he's a guy who you'd look to, you know, Sunder Krishnan and say, well, of course he's got it all sorted out. I and mean, every time I talk to him, he says, you know what I'm learning? You know what I'm, you know what I need to work on in my own life? I'm going to try this. You know what I'm going to try? I'm like, what are you trying? I mean, if you're going to do that, what about, oh, like, what, where am I at in this whole thing? So don't be daunted by it. Don't this. be daunted by it. You know, yeah. uh, two, if two minutes seems like an eternity, start with one minute, you know, start somewhere. And I think that needs to be the, the tone. We need to have some grace for ourselves in all of these different things, right? And then, so now we come to another one, which is scripture, right? And the, the interesting thing about scripture, uh, when we're talking about, you know, this is, we're talking about the Bible, right? This is God's written word. Uh, it can, for some of us, it's like, oh yeah, scripture, no problem. Read it, know what to do, know how to check it out. Others are like, man, is that a thick book? And why is the paper so thin? And why is there so many words crammed? It's a deceiving looking book, you know what I mean? Not a deceiving book, it's the truth, but it's a deceiving looking book, right? There's so much in there. 
Um, you know, BJ, earlier you mentioned um, the, the temptation of Jesus, right? You can read about the temptation of Jesus in the New Testament, in the biographies of Jesus. That's the second half of the Bible, uh, Matthew 4, Mark 1, Luke chapter 4. And what's uh, fascinating about um, this uh, interaction that he has with Satan himself is um, each time the devil tempts him with something, Jesus responds by speaking scripture with verses of the Bible that he had memorized. I mean, at that point, the Bible hadn't been consolidated, uh, right? But, but I mean, it just makes me think, like, how many... Yeah, right. Yeah, his name's stamped on it in that gold, uh, <laughs> gold font. Um, you know, I, it makes me think, like, how many times have I been in a situation where I have to, like, take out my phone and Google, like, what's that verse again? Like, because I'm talking to somebody and I want to encourage them or I'm like looking for support myself or I'm like in a debate. I'm like, oh man, I'm just going to school them with this right for something silly like that, right? So we obviously, we know Jesus didn't pull out his phone, but he also didn't pull out a scroll and go, hey, just a second there, Satan, and read it. He had it, he had it memorized. And, and, and there's something in that that we need to be paying attention to. He had poured over it, right? He had immersed himself in it. He had taken it in. And, and he, he had the right verses, the right scripture, the right promises of God to speak in the moments when he needed it most, right? And now we know that we always need the word of God. So it's not to say there's times when we don't and when we do, but there are moments when the pressure's on and when the pressure's off. And what we can see in Jesus's life in that particular instance, it's that he must have been um, spending time in the word of God when the pressure was off yeah. so that he knew what to say and how to say it when the pressure was on. That's this whole idea of, of, of the hidden work, right? Um, and so we, we see scripture as uh, this necessity for us to be uh, spending time in um, all the time, really, right? And so we, we've also used this analogy of scripture in our, in our church um, as scripture is food. Right, it's it's nutrition, it's spiritual nutrition for us, right? And so we know, uh, just you know, from as far as physical food is concerned, we need to eat a, a balanced and regular diet. Now, I, I'll tell you something about my own life. I'm not particularly good at eating breakfast. Um, I, I just don't have much of an appetite in the morning. And and when I started getting back to work, when I came back after my leave, um, you know, pop tarts showed up on the on the shopping list. And when I came home with the pop tarts, Sandra is like, "What is? Why are you buy pop tarts? Like these are the kids?" I'm like, "No, they're not for the kids. Those are top shelf. Those are for me. Don't touch. Right? Don't touch." And she's like, "What are you going to do with a pop tart?" I'm like, "Well, you know what? If I can't eat anything in the morning, if I can at least force feed myself some pop tarts, something must be better uh, than nothing, right?" And so um, sometimes I eat a little junk food and it fills me for a little bit. Um, sometimes, you know, I eat something a little more balanced and we feel good. We get the idea of a uh, balanced and nutritious diet, right? We get that. I'm going to come back to that. I'm going to tie it in scripture, this idea of scripture in a minute. Well, when it comes to reading scripture, uh, when it spends time just spending time in God's word, um, for me, I've needed a plan. Right. And I, I need it. I need a structure when it comes to this. And so there is no shortage available, no shortage of reading plans available to us like today. You can just Google uh, Bible reading plans. Actually, some of you who have a physical copy of the Bible written in the back. There's likely to be a reading plan. And what that is, is just a daily breakdown. It could be by topics of the Bible. It could be uh, different characters or people in the Bible. It could be uh, historical themes. It could be uh, the genres of scripture. It might just be a little bit of Old Testament, the first half, a little bit of the New Testament, the second half of scripture. Yeah, There's all sorts of things available to us. There's no shortage. Now, one thing I've had to kind of learn over the years is 
there are seasons when I go to a reading plan and I, I, I read, you know, okay, Genesis chapter one and Matthew chapter one, and then I check the box and I get on with it. Okay, I did what I needed to do for the day. But that's actually cutting myself short. That's like Pop-Tarts, right? There's not actual, new, there, there's something to it. Like, okay, it gives you a little bit of satisfaction. It fills your stomach for like, I don't know, five minutes. It's maybe reading that way fills your spirit for like a, a verse, verse of the day or something. Or right? verse of the day, right? It's just it's like a little it's like a little snack, you know. It's something small, but it's not it's nothing bigger and sufficient. And that became a struggle for me. Like, okay, I want to do this reading plan, but I want to get more out of it. Now, one day, I was listening to this woman, and she was preaching on you know the value of being immersed in the Word of God, and she talked about reading Scripture uh, until you find life, right? Not just reading to check boxes off, or, you know, I, I covered this, this chapter today or whatever, but read until you find, like, when she said that, there was something inside me that, like, there's like a, like a vibration within because it resonated so deeply, that we are to be reading scripture, looking to see and to hear God's voice, uh, and we can find these things that actually speak to us so, in such a loud and in, in, in powerful way. And so even though we may need to use uh, reading plans, which I think is a helpful tool, certainly, um, don't just read for the sake of checking it off. We're looking for nourishment. We're looking for a full spirit. We're looking to be people who are overwhelmed with the goodness of God and hearing his voice. And so we read until we find um, that life, not just checking things out. Really what we're reading for is relationship. Yeah. Right. This is, this is the word of God, the things that he has said about himself actually says a whole lot about who we are too and how we can actually cultivate this relationship with him. And I'm just like, even practically speaking, yeah. that might look like you read something one day and you really sense God speaking to you. Read it again the next again. day. Yeah, it's that's like, it. oh, I have to move on. That was gone. It's yeah. like, wait, God was talking to me. Probably he has more. Yeah. I'm going back. Yeah. That gets around this whole plan thing and saying, I encountered him. I want to see him again. Well, and in a similar way, like if I'm going through a reading plan and I miss a day or two or three, I, I don't beat myself up about that. I also don't try when I'm coming back to it to try and read the three or four days worth of stuff that I missed. Like if you, for some reason, missed a day or two of food, you wouldn't gorge yourself it wouldn't be good, right? I remember as a kid doing the 30-hour famine, you know, and then we would break fast and I would just eat like pizza and junk and then you'd nearly puke because you're so sick. It's the same idea, right? Yeah. Um, so I just pick up where I left off and it's something to guide me in, in, in keeping me in it. Now, for me personally, I prefer a paper Bible. I don't think there's anything wrong with using a digital Bible. It's the same words. It's still true. But for me, when I pick up my phone or when I pick up my iPad, it's associated with, with either work or distraction or things like that. And so for me, having a paper Bible is kind of like the set apart different thing. So for me, that's a, that's a personal practice that I appreciate. I also have a whole system worked out with like a totally nerd out over um, like these mi Sakura Micron 001 pens. They're like these felt tip pens. I've got a whole system. Are they sponsoring this sermon? I don't think they're sponsoring this <laughs> sermon, but they're like so good. And I, I'll, I'll either put like, you know, sometimes I'm putting a, like a cue, like quote, oh man, that's a verse I need to come back to. Other times, you know, different colors represent different things. Sometimes it's like a big fat question mark. Like, what does this mean? It's like, God, are you for real in what you're saying here? Uh, sometimes it's like, oh, that's the point you're talking to him. Yeah. Sometimes it's like, I, I sense that this is a, a, a word that I need to actually share with somebody else. Be careful with that. Don't read your Bible for somebody else. Read your Bible for your relationship with God first. Don't just turn into, oh man, he needs that verse or she needs that verse. Maybe they do, but actually you probably need it first. Every sermon we preach to you is actually a sermon we need uh, first. Um, another thing that's been helpful to me in this last year has been um, an audio Bible, actually. 
I went through, uh, you heard some of my story last week, and part of that was real difficulty in reading. The words were jumping around on the page. And so I started listening to uh, something called the Dwell Bible app. And this is an audio Bible. And I, what I really like about it is um, you can have multiple translations of the Bible, but also you can have, you know, eight or 10 different voices. And you can even program the type of music you want behind. So if you want a guitar or organ, or if you want something else, like it's pretty, it's another area to nerd out on basically what it is. But that was really helpful to me because when I couldn't just read the words, it was like it was being read over me. Then I got to a point where I was able to listen and actually follow along. Um, for some of you, you might be interested in something called the Streetlights Bible. So there's a there's a Christian hip hop uh, record label called Humble Beast, and they actually put together. Um, they're working through recording the entire Bible onto like these really sweet hip hop tracks, and uh, the, the scripture is read out almost like in a spoken word kind of style. And uh, this morning, I was actually listening to Revelation chapter one and two, and like I have a ten inch powered subwoofer in my trunk, so like it just sounds so good. Maybe that's something. Uh, that you need there as well. We've got a couple of recommendations for you. The Dwell Bible app is one of them. Streetlights Bible is not an app. You find it on Spotify or Apple Music or whatever. Just Google that. Um, I would say um, start with, when it comes to looking for a reading plan, start with Version, which is the Bible app. Many of you probably already have this on your phone or your device. Or just Google that. They've got endless reading plans, all the different breakdowns you could possibly think of. Uh, Zondervan is a, a publisher. They have some really good stuff uh, for kids as well. Actually, Uversion has good stuff for all ages, reading plans for all ages. Um, and beyond that, our, our blog, the Reconnect blog on our website, um, functions as a community reading plan together. And so you'll find some stuff there this week. When we get into our next series, uh, starting in, in the next month, there's actually going to be daily readings that we can go through as an entire church. So as a community, we're not just reading all these different things all over. That's, again, better than nothing, certainly. But if we're all together as a community, wherever we're at, reading something together, it actually will be a way, I believe, that God will continue to unite us and speak to us as a whole, uh, even when we're, when we're still apart. That's good. Um, another uh, tool that we want to talk about just briefly is what's called the prayer of examine. Now, um, this is a specific kind of prayer, and it's one that's been used for hundreds of years. Uh, it's actually in like the prayer of examination. In other words, it's a prayer that takes you uh, gives you time and causes you to reflect on, like usually just the last 24 hours, so it's something you do 10 minutes every evening or every morning, um, to review your own uh, day and life. And the prayer is supposed to do two things that are really essential when it comes to prayer. It helps us realize that listening in prayer is as important, if not more, than speaking. Because God is speaking. We are in relationship with him. And so the examine uh, prayer teaches you to listen to what God might be saying. And secondly, it helps us realize that in all of our day, our interactions, our relationships, our thoughts, our emotions, our circumstances, God has actually been present and wanting to speak. And so it actually brings us to this realization of going, oh, he's here. He's, he, I can speak with him. He's, he's interacting with me. He's alive. Um, that's why this examined prayer is so important. It isn't just going, how do I feel? Whatever, realizing Okay, as I become aware, for example, like some of the exams, just as simple as like mad, sad, glad, anxious. What were you, uh, any of those categories? When I realize in my, reflect on my day that I realize I've been anxious about a conversation I have to have. And you realize you've been anxious about a test you have to take. You could say, oh yeah, I trust God. He's amazing. He's powerful. I know him. But inside you is storms of anxiety. You don't really believe it. So when you go, when I go over that in my heart again, I'm like, man. I'm like obsessing about this thing that somebody said to me. 
And I'm letting that define me instead of receiving God's, God. God, do you have anything to say to me about that? Because all I hear is this, or all I hear is my own voice. It's actually realizing and bringing God close to say his words now to me into this situation. God, do you have anything to say to me before I prepare for this conversation or this test? You know, And so I'm inviting his voice. And I found doing that um, on a daily basis just helps me not only have that back and forth, but realize God has been present in the last 24 hours. It actually changes how I live the next part of life. So two apps that can be helpful for you. One is, as we've talked about before, reimagining the examine. It just has a different examine every day. And if you're someone who doesn't have a good routine, this could be a good place to start. Just 10 minutes every day or as much as you can, you know. The examine's been such a huge tether for me in the COVID season where I've felt my mind scatters so many examine. I feel like just ground me day after day. And then another one called um, Lectio 365. It's actually a combination of scripture that they talked about and, and prayer and examine. It actually brings these two together where it gives you time. Lectio 365. I like it because I can press play. You talk about listening in my car. So when I can't read, um, you know, that's a good time for me. And I'm using it on the way in to work, on the way out. Um, it gives you time to meditate on scripture. It gives you space to hear God. It gives you space to reflect on yourself and leads you to pray uh, outward. So those are two um, tools that you, you could just begin uh, with that one. And, and then we got one more uh, today. One more. And even though we're talking about personal practices, uh, this one is community, the personal practice of community, right? And so that sounds a little bit strange, I think, because, you know, that this is an individual thing. Well, yes, we see the way that Jesus led his life, and there are things that he did in secret. But one of the things we do know is that he was always living out this balance of time on his own, and then time with others. I mean, after all, Jesus did start a community, right? Church. Jesus started the church, yeah. and the church is a place where people come together. I love reading about the life of Jesus and seeing all the ways that he's like sitting around with his with his earliest followers, that they were his friends. They're sharing meals. They're in and out of each other's houses. I love that. And so this is something that um, we need to be intentional about, particularly in these COVID days, which with all these restrictions that have made this particularly difficult. Um, you know, one thing though, and I think we got to be honest about this is it's not just the restrictions of COVID that have made being together in community a difficult thing. I think um, for some of us, this was already hard uh, before COVID hit, right? And, and perhaps the last number of months have just accentuated a problem that's already existed. And so uh, we want to, now that things are beginning to ease up, uh, now that the restrictions are loosening a little bit, yes, we're watching daily and seeing what's going to happen next. There are a couple of things that we... Uh, want to start encouraging you and encouraging us really to jump into. And so i got three steps when it comes to practicing uh, community uh, this season. The first step is this, buy an extension cord, right? I'm sure you weren't expecting me to say that. I'm sure you're expecting buy a pack of masks. No, maybe you do. But buy an extension cord that is long enough to let you put your TV in your backyard. That's step one. Step two, start with two or three people and invite them over to your place to join in the service together, right? This virtual service, invite them to be a part of it. And, and maybe we've fallen into this habit the last little while of like watching church, right? So we can turn it on and we're like, try not to be late. You know, unfortunately we don't have bathroom breaks, you know, commercials you can run out or get popcorn or whatever. Um, but then, you know, as soon as it's done, we turn it off and we get back to whatever we're doing. And we could have, we can fall into like this screen burnout. What are we even doing here? So we want to actually break that and say, no, no, this is a place for us to encounter God, and we can actually encounter him by being together 
as we do this. So start with one or two or three. Keep it small. Like starting with two minutes of solitude, start with two people. Maybe you got to start with your home group. Somebody else, I mean, home groups are broken down geographically. Who lives nearby? They can come over for an hour, an hour and a half, two hours, whatever. Spend some time in your backyard, distance, uh, you know, enjoying, worshiping, and being together. Maybe you get time to get into one. Oh yeah. I was going to say not in one. Even if you're not, if you're not in a home group, this is the time to get in a home group, right? Um, you know, we're working on when we can be back together in a bigger number, but we know that right now we're allowed to be together in smaller size groups for sure in our homes. And so we want to do that. Step three is this. Embrace the awkwardness. Expect the awkwardness and embrace the awkwardness. Not each other, just the awkwardness. Yeah. Don't embrace each other. Yeah. Just embrace the awkwardness. Together with masks on is better than not together. Together and six feet apart is better than not together. Together wrapped up in blankets and jackets, you know, because of the weird string of weather we're getting sitting in your backyard is better than not being together at all. And there are groups that have already been doing this. There's people that have already been doing this and they've been sorting it out. And I think it's really important for us to, to try and find a way to like fumble through this. Right? Is there risk involved? Totally there's risk involved. And I'm not saying be reckless. We have to be wise with what we're doing. But I'm also saying that we we, we have to step into this. And, and, and don't wait for someone else to start telling you what to do. I guess I'm kind of telling you what to do. We're really speaking to ourselves here. But don't wait for somebody else to invite you over. Be the one who takes the lead and invites them over. When home group season starts up in just a couple of weeks, jump, like be the first one to email. If you're not in that group, get on our website and find out how you can be on there. Yeah, there's a risk. Yes, it's going to be awkward, but it's totally, totally worth it. As we close here, I think, you know, we've tried to be as practical as we can. We want to drive you to that blog because that's kind of where there's a worksheet for you on this stuff to start to fill out your own rule of life for each week and take time to read scripture to practice this stuff. And then at the end of the month, this seminar is really just tend, uh, intended to be sort of a working space for you. But um, I just want to close uh, with prayer for you because I know, again, this is about relationship with God. And the beautiful thing is he wants this even more than we do. And so I just want to pray for you, for us um, as we close and then as we finish uh, with the song together. Lord God, I just thank you so much that you are who you say you are, that all of these songs we sing about you are even more true than we could ever imagine. But we are invited by you to taste, to, to glimpse the reality of your love in our lives. So for those of us that say, I don't know, I didn't even know God was like that. I didn't even know you could have a relationship. I pray that as they take a step, as you take a risk, that you would, um, yeah, show yourself to be the God of love, the God who is with us, who is for us. Um, and Lord, for those of us that need a new rhythm, we've only been using maybe one tool or it's kind of dull or we've just stopped altogether. Bring a fresh sense of reconnection with you that we would actually be able to feel your love pouring into us and then flowing out of us because that is ultimately what we want. And so I pray for every one of us, in whatever way we take a step of faith and take a risk for any one of these things, that we would meet you there. In your name we pray.